From the Internet Law and Policy Foundry, this is the Tech Policy Grind podcast. Every two weeks, we'll discuss recent developments and exciting topics in the technology and internet law and policy space. I'm Rima Musa, and I'm a member of the fourth cohort of Foundry Fellows. The Foundry is a collaborative organization for internet law and policy professionals who are passionate about disruptive innovation. In this week's episode, we're kicking off a new series within the show, Foundry Fellow Highlights. Every now and again, we'll catch up with a current or former fellow with the ILPF and hear their stories, from their current work, lessons learned, and everything in between. For our first iteration of Foundry Fellow Highlights, I had the honor of chatting with Mary Bagdasarian, a legal fellow at EFF and a member of the current class of Foundry Fellows. Hi, Mary. How are you? Hey, Rima. I'm great. How are you? Doing well. I'm excited to chat with you today. So you're a legal fellow at EFF, and your work focuses on the very interesting intersections of human rights, free speech, and surveillance in the digital context. And that's a really fascinating sort of combination of focuses, but how did you get here? What was your sort of career path um, that led you to this work that you're doing now? Thanks, Rima. First off, thanks for having me. Um, happy to share my journey to, um, to EFF. Um, so honestly, I think it's important to say that I the first time that I got um, any interaction with any topics with tech law and policy was when I was doing my uh, Master of Laws degree at Central European University uh, in Hungary. And we had a special course uh, at the seat of European Court of Human Rights in Strasbourg. Uh, and it was called uh, Internet and Human Rights. Uh, and the case that we were mostly focusing on was called Delphi versus Estonia. And, for people that follow the topic of intermediary liability, this case um, set the precedent for the Council of Europe member states and also uh, has been echoed in the EU um, law um, on this same issue. So this was the first time I started thinking about uh, the intersection between technology, human rights and internet and honestly found it so fascinating. But unfortunately, at the time, I didn't um, see more opportunities to get involved uh, in this and, you know, dig deeper into these issues. And after this degree, I went back to my home country, Armenia, and I started working for UNDP as a consultant and also doing uh, international human rights litigation before the same court. Uh, the European Court of Human Rights and UN Human Rights Committee. So my practice focused on so many different human rights issues from, you know, fair trial to prohibition of torture and from anti-discrimination to um, women's rights and rights of persons with disabilities. So it was quite broad. Uh, but, you know, this spark uh, that... Um, I had um, back in Strasbourg with this course was still... Um, alive and kicking, I would say. And um, literally a year after my graduation, I accidentally came across uh, a fellowship program by Internet Society. 
which was, I think, called uh, Introduction to Internet Governance. Uh, and I was more interested on the digital rights aspect of it. And um, honestly, it was part of a bigger program known as uh, Youth at the Internet Governance Forum. Um, and I didn't know anything about internet governance or the forum, but as again, my focus was more on the digital rights. And I took the course, it was a month long course with weekly discussions. I tremendously enjoyed uh, my participation in it, met great people, and I'm still friends with many of them. Uh, and it turned out that this program had a second phase. Uh, so if you had a great participation in the first phase, then you were given a full fellowship to go to that year's um, Internet Governance Forum, which in 2016 was uh, in Guadalajara in Mexico. So, um, you know, my interest <laughs> led to uh, a trip to Mexico where I met a huge community of people working in so many different uh, fields representing different stakeholder groups. Um, I discovered a, a wide variety of issues in this space. Um, it was a bit overwhelming, honestly, uh, but um, basically, you know, this was. I guess it was meant to be. <laughs> and uh, I met a lot of good people there. Um, you know, one thing led to the other. I got later engaged in uh, European communities uh, for internet governance, um, started working on different research projects um, and uh, working with uh, clients on these topics and, you know, having kind of understood the landscape on the European side. I was really curious about the US perspective on tech law and policy. So in 2021, I graduated from University of Pennsylvania Law School's LLM program with concentration in intellectual property and technology law. Um, and this was very uh, insightful experience for me to have this comparative um, uh, perspective on these issues. Um, and then I spent my summer at Wikimedia Foundation, and then I started at EFF. So it's been a wild ride, I would say, but um, also I uh, went through, you know, a lot of self-reflection throughout this journey. Um, so it's it's been, you know, going from broad human rights practice to human rights and general tech law and policy issues. Um, yeah, and I think I'm pretty happy w with the whole journey. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. And thank you for, for sharing your story and your sort of career path. I think it's a unique one. And something that I think is particularly interesting about your background is how international in scope uh, your you know, work has been and where your work uh, and, you know, educational career as well has taken you. And so sort of on that note, what do you think is the, the role of the international lens on tech law and policy in uh, informing both your personal, you know, career interests and, and journey, and then also perhaps the the field as a whole and how, um, you know, these issues that, that you work on and particularly, uh, interact in the international context. 
That's a great question, Rima. Um, and honestly, if you asked this question to me maybe four years ago, my answer would have been different um, than it is now. Because when I first started um, engaging in these communities and thinking about these issues, everything was considered to be more global. Internet was viewed as, you know, something we all share. And that was the only lens that was um, not the only, let me correct myself. It wasn't the only, but the dominant view. Uh, on these issues, um, and every every country, every stakeholder, every uh, company was trying to come up with solutions on the global scale, and um, not to you know end up with any type of fragmentation, any type of um, local solutions that will make um, work on the international scale um, more complicated. But as you also know, in the last few years, we have seen so many initiatives on regional or uh, national levels that try to regulate the internet um, from their own perspective and in their own way and some are better than the others but uh, when you look at the bigger picture um, this makes the process more complicated and also what i love about uh, the internet governance um, space uh you know unlike the un processes when you have the governments uh talk with governments uh and then the civil society is maybe allowed to uh, participate sometimes or is there just with their shadow reports um in in the internet governance communities everyone has the same footing so you don't have to be government representative to have a seat at the table however i would say that this model is also in um, some form of a challenging situation right now and with the rise of more uh, regional or national uh, regulatory initiatives, uh, the role of international law and um, generally, you know, regulating anything or finding solutions, not even regulating, but just finding solutions or having a vision on a global scale uh, is not where it was when I was starting out in this space. Uh, but uh, if this makes, uh, you know, our lives, especially the lives of lawyers or policy uh, professionals more complicated. It's also really exciting because uh, we need to uh, understand how to move forward, how to, you know, enhance innovation and support it while also trying to uh, reduce risks. Uh, but at the same time, it's it's really challenging to to be able to handle that many regulatory initiatives um, on the other hand i think this is a good um, time or maybe we're getting closer to that moment when we'll need to you know sit down and reevaluate re where we want to go and i hope that will be something that we'll all do together on a global level rather than regionally or uh, on national level yeah that's really really interesting because i think you know to your point of that the the reality of these regulatory frameworks that especially the ones that are continuously emerging in in fields that you know maybe didn't even exist 10 15 years ago such as uh you know AI and data privacy and and things of this nature um it's interesting to see that a potential benefit is a more localized sort of tailored approach, uh, you know, based on what those particular communities 
face and you know cultural considerations and things of this nature. But uh, I love that point you brought up of coming together in the end as a global society to to think of a way forward, uh, especially when it comes to these very big picture issues and and still sort of integrating that global perspective. Uh, so yeah, I think I think that's completely fascinating. Uh, no, I, I just wanted to add that I really hope that we can, uh, you know, go from, you know, in the beginning, everybody was so excited about technologies. And in a way, this led to um, everyone also, like not everyone, but the majority um, to disregard any potential harms. And then we got into the face of tech clash and all we see is more of the problems than all the possibilities and opportunities that technologies can provide. And uh, I think my uh, big um, you know, wish is to, to go back to being excited about technologies, but also know that, uh, that harms are possible and you know, come up with more mitigation strategies or think through everything before going forward um so going back to what you were saying uh i hope um you know we can figure this out together uh because internet is some it's global and um, i hope it will stay global um so we'll see i'm really hopeful still yeah absolutely me too <laughs> uh <laughs> so now shifting gears a little bit what are you working on right now at eff Wow. So yes, uh, EFF is an exciting place. Um, and uh, I'm really thankful for the opportunity to spend this year um, working with both EFF's domestic and international teams. Um, so being a foreign trained attorney with more international experience, uh, I'm helping EFF um, have more engagement with, uh, you know, different cases uh, on digital rights issues uh, before the international courts. For instance, we submitted amicus briefs in a case about right to be forgotten um, before the European Court of Human Rights. Um, there, there was another case which basically extended the case that I mentioned, uh, Delphi versus Estonia, uh, the intermediate liability rules uh, to, you know, general any social media uh, user, uh, which we think is too um, uh, expensive and uh, it's, it's just going to end up having more chilling effect on legitimate free expression rather than help uh, fight any type of illegal content online. Uh, we recently submitted, um, we recently joined actually um, a case, uh, an amicus brief before the European Court of Human Rights uh, in an encryption case. Um, so really working on a variety of different issues, but uh, all are very important cases and we hope the court comes out the right way and public interest will be preserved. Um, I uh, also work on the uh, newly proposed uh, UN Cybercrime Treaty, uh, where uh, EFF and partners are trying to um, make the treaty as human rights centric as possible. Uh, for instance, I was mapping the member state positions, uh, trying to identify any potential um, points of contention, um, any problematic, uh, you know, proposals um, following the uh, work of the UN ad hoc committee and working with partners uh, from around the world. And um, also in the frames of this treaty work, um, I um, 
uh, with my colleagues, we put together um, uh, a blog post about uh, the importance of excluding any content-related crimes uh, from the uh, UN Cybercrime Treaty because you know this is a treaty about criminalizing um, illegal behavior um, online um, and uh, using ICTs if we use the UN language. Um, and, uh, you know, criminalization is a measure of last resort. And even if we talk about hate speech and disinformation and any potential real life consequences that they may have, um, it's not so straightforward that this type of behavior needs to be um, criminalized because who, who can define what is hate speech or what is disinformation? Uh, or there are, you know, different levels for hate speech um, and etc etc so it's a very complicated issue and uh, we're trying to uh, put forward the FF's position on this um, matter um, and on the domestic side I work um, on um, you know amicus briefs um, for instance one was about mass carry cases um, or our do research uh, for instance I was comparing uh, the right to privacy under California constitution um, and the standards um, around it um, with the Fourth Amendment standards um, with regards to the, um, especially with regards to the third party standing. Um, and yeah, I was surprised to see that California um, in some regards is more privacy centric than, um, you know, the standards on the federal level. And I was also uh, working um, on a on a case um, during the discovery um, um, process, uh, and as uh, an attorney who is um, who has been trained uh, in the civil law uh, jurisdiction, and we don't really have the rigorous discovery uh, as uh, you know it exists under U.S. law. It was fascinating to see um, the work and the thought process that goes through uh, this. Um, um, you know, uh, discovery phase of litigation. So in other words, I'm, I'm doing more research, uh, litigation related work, and also some policy, um, uh, you know, work um, at the FF and um, all of it is really interesting and really um, educational for me, I would say. Yeah, and I want to dig in there on a point you raised of the the very complicated nature of a lot of your work and especially these, you know, quite technical topics um, as it pertains to perhaps cybercrime and, uh, you know, figuring out how to best configure uh, encryption in a way that is, you know, beneficial to the policy framework that you're working on for surveillance or, um, or the like. And so in that vein, how do you inform yourself about these, uh, you know, very technical topics, especially with your perspective as an attorney, what are some strategies that you use to, to learn about these topics as they continuously emerge? That's a very important uh, question, I would say, because um, it's not necessary, or I would say it's not required um, to to have a technical background um, to work in tech law, but it is really useful to understand the details, and especially if you work in roles that 
um, you know, deal with more, um, you know, product related um, issues, then it, it's really beneficial to, to understand this. So my approach is usually um, to, you know, ask questions. Uh, the benefit, one of the benefits of working at EFF is that we have um, a number of um, great technologists and they are always ready to answer all of your questions um, and uh, review your work if it has more technical aspect to it. So this has been a great experience for me to uh, to see how uh, different um, the people from different backgrounds can come together and do um, you know this important work. Um, and on on more personal side, uh, you know I'm currently doing a course uh, from Harvard called uh, Computer Science for Lawyers, and um, actually an instructor from the Computer Science Department of Harvard University is explaining all the major concepts um, around uh, internet from, you know, from cybersecurity from, uh, and then to um, DNS and um, uh, TCP IP and, and everything you can think of that sounds too threatening. Um, but even before that, um, I have been selected as a next gen at the ICANN uh, program and, um, you know, um, ICANN, um, um, provides you with opportunity to dig deeper into the technical um, aspects of, um, you know, the internet. And um, I specifically wanted to be, um, you know, engaged in this space to enhance my knowledge on more technical aspects uh, of these issues, because um, that really gives you a different perspective on the policy or uh, legal issues that you are trying to put forward. So in a nutshell, I would say um, this is a field that is growing um, continuously and it's it's really um, growing fast. So as in any field, but especially in tech law and policy, you need to uh, be a continuous uh, lifelong learner and, um, you know, reading books and taking courses and talking to your colleagues uh, or just doing a, a fellowship um, together with your job, I think are some avenues that people can take to um, gain more, you know, knowledge about the technical um, aspects. That's really great. And I love that you're, you're, you know, still taking classes to learn about the field and uh, get that sort of technical understanding. It's so interesting at USC, uh, we also have a computer science for lawyers class. So now you've inspired me a bit. Maybe I'll end up uh, <laughs> taking that um, before before I graduate, but that's really fantastic. And so that's a great segue into my next question. And you've mentioned you know, your involvement with some of these different organizations or fellowships or opportunities outside of your, your main gig, so to speak. Uh, you know, from Internet yeah. Society to ICANN, you're involved with the Foundry um, as a fellow, and I know you're also involved with the Internet Governance Forum. Um, so yeah, it would be great to to hear you speak a little to what other projects you're involved with outside of your work with EFF, um, and what you know opportunities you've you've taken advantage of. Yes, sure. Um, so 
first off, also as a disclaimer, uh, you know, uh, I am an, um, a fellow at, for, at the Internet Law and Policy Foundry. Uh, so far, really enjoying the experience, getting to know people and doing great things together. So um, a moment of advertisement. If you want to join, follow us on social media and just email us if you have any initiatives uh, to get involved. Um, you also mentioned the Internet Governance Forum. To clarify, this is the Internet Governance Forum um, in the United States. Um, and this year I'm co-organizing the first ever Youth uh, Internet Governance Forum, or, or as we call it, IGF USA, uh, which will take place virtually in July. Um, and please stay tuned to learn more about it. Um, the registration uh, is set to open soon. Um, and the idea behind this uh, event is to have youth involved in this space, uh, organize an event for um, other uh, young professionals in the field who have not really engaged with internet governance and you know, come um, meet and learn more about the processes, the stakeholders and um, the main topics. And this will be a pre-event for the IGF USA. Um, and it will also provide a sneak peek into the program uh, of the conference that will be a hybrid event, um, the in-person part taking place in DC. Um, other than, um, you know, the foundry and organizing the Youth IGF USA. I am a steering committee member for the Internet Rights and Principles uh, Coalition, which is a dynamic coalition um, at the UN Internet Governance Forum. Uh, and it is a network of individuals and organizations committed to making human rights work uh, for the online environment. I'm really excited to have been elected um, to the steering committee and uh, really enjoying the experience of working with my colleagues from around the world. Um, so hopefully uh, we'll um, make um, interesting projects uh, in the next two years. Um, and in addition to all of this, previously this year, I was coaching University of Pennsylvania Law School's team for the Prize Media Law Mood Court. Um, and the team uh, ended up being the runner up at the America's Regional Round and qualified for the international rounds. Pretty proud of the team, um, and um, you know, media law is one of my uh, main areas of interest and expertise. I was really happy to work with the team um, and see them, um, you know, qual qualify for the international rounds. Um, and I also really believe in mentorship. So I was a mentor with the Legal Mentor Network where I had several students from various law schools as my mentees, and we were discussing pathways to tech law and policy uh, from, you know, non-conventional backgrounds or, um, you know, just getting started in this field and this type of uh, questions. Um, so really enjoyed uh, um, working with my mentees as well. Um, so yeah, trying to um, give uh, pay forward uh, what, um, what, whenever and whatever I can. That's incredible. And it's amazing that you've had all these wonderful experiences and opportunities to enrich your own learning, but also to give back, uh, to the communities that you're a part of, uh, you know, the greater tech law and policy community, but, um, you know, communities that you've, you've been involved with. Uh, and learned from in the past. And I think that notion that you raised of mentorship and 
you know, really paying it forward and staying connected is so important. Um, you know, as, as future generations cultivate their interest in this field, and it is such a, a quickly growing field that needs uh, a lot of talent and a lot of great minds working together uh, to solve some of, of tech's biggest problems. So I think that's amazing. And kind of on that note, do you have any recommendations uh, or advice for, you know, perhaps students, uh, the youth who might be interested in following in your footsteps one day and, and having a career uh, that's as enriched and, and really full um, with experience and, and, you know, tackling these interesting topics uh, as yours? Well, um, as I said, I really believe in um, being a lifelong learner and also believe in mentorship. So I would say never stop uh, learning, seek out opportunities. Um, I can fellowships or the next gen program are a great way to get involved um, in this space um, and learn more about the technical uh, aspects. Um, try to um, look out for the Internet Society's Youth Ambassadors program. Um, I think the the deadline is sometime this month. So um, try to uh, apply to that. And they have that every year. Um, you can take a lot of online courses to be more versed um, in the issues that are um, in discussion right now or, you know, learn about the stakeholders out there. Um, you know, join the, the foundry, of course, um, attend the events, um, just send us an email if you have any uh, thoughts. Um, and um, in terms of mentorships, I think a lot of people are really open to share their experiences and um, give you some advice based on, based on where you are in your career. So I would be also happy to chat with anyone who um, has any questions or needs a sounding board. Uh, in general, I think it's important to um, to be open to opportunities, uh, but also know what you want. Uh, but also, you know, to know that you need to try. So don't be afraid to try and also be fine with the fact that you may try something and you may not like it uh, or you may discover something new. So, for instance, for me, it was, you know, intellectual property law. Never thought that I might enjoy that. Uh, but it turns out I do. Um, so, you know, that opens up new opportunities and new areas to explore, which is fascinating, um, I think. Um, and in, in general, I would say um, just, you know, try to build your community, definitely network a lot as much as you can and never stop learning. Um, and I'm sure, you know, everything will work out. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't know if my rambling was useful, but uh, hopefully people can find uh, some nuggets there that may resonate with them. No, I, I know it definitely resonates with me. And I think that that is, is great advice. So Mary, what's next for you? Oh, wow. Yeah, so... Um, this question has no specific answer, and I think uh, it, that also resonates with another um, favorite expression of mine, which is uh, we are all work in progress. 
So, um, you know, my fellowship at EFF is coming to an end in a couple of months and I'm actively seeking my next role and really excited about this journey and excited to see how it unfolds. But as I said, uh, you know, I started with focusing only on free speech and privacy. And then I discovered that I also like, you know, intellectual property um, and all these issues together. So there was a time when I was really pushing myself to figure it out. So which one is the one, you know? Uh, but then I realized that that's not mandatory. So it's it's there are ways to combine them all. Um, and, you know, I'm trying to... Um, be open as I said and um, hopefully uh, I will find my next role will be uh, the one that encompasses all of my interests and expertise so I will update you once I have more specific answers about the next uh, steps. That's really exciting and I'm really excited for you Uh, and yeah, if our listeners want to keep up with you and, and your you know, journey and your work, where can they find you? Um, I am I'm on LinkedIn and uh, Twitter. Uh, feel free to also um, send me an email. I will share my email with Rima. Uh, if you have any questions or want to chat, happy to um, set up time um, to to meet and uh, talk tech law and policy and human rights and IP and anything else you're interested in. Great. Well, thank you so much, Mary, for taking the time to chat today. It was amazing to hear all about your, your varied experiences and how truly interesting your career path has been. So, Looking forward to seeing what's next for you and, of course, uh, collaborating here at the Foundry as as we do. Thanks so much, Rima, for listening to uh, my journey. And um, yeah, looking forward to working together. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tech Policy Grind podcast by the Internet Law and Policy Foundry. Be sure to check out the Foundry on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and give us a five-star rating. It really helps out the show. If you're interested in supporting the show, reach out to us at foundrypodcasts at ilpfoundry.us. You can find our email in the show notes as well. The Tech Policy Grind podcast comes out every other Thursday. See you next time.